Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. We now join our senior pastor, Dr. Chris Walker. Well, this morning, as we turn to Scripture, I invite you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament, to Ezekiel chapter 34. Now, if you're just joining us today, we finished up looking at the book of Judges a couple of weeks ago, and we'll be turning to look at the book of Mark in a few weeks. But in the meantime, we're doing a brief mini-series looking at the shepherding responsibility that God has given to the church and to its elders. Our elders here at Westminster have identified this as an area we want to grow in as a church. And so as we take some steps in that area, I wanted to take two weeks to look at what Scripture has to say on the topic. And last week, we looked at God's calling to elders to shepherd his flock. And we we looked at the importance of that calling. We saw both Peter and Paul give one charge to elders in the church. And that charge was shepherd the flock of God that is among you. But if Scripture places such a strong emphasis on shepherding, then maybe that begs a a natural follow-up question. Well, what exactly does it mean to shepherd God's flock? What exactly are elders supposed to do? How are they supposed to do it? And so today, I want to look in more detail at what the elders are called to do as shepherds in the congregation God has called them to serve. We'll look at several passages of Scripture as we do this, but I want to start in Ezekiel chapter 34. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along in Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 16. This is God's Word. The Word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd... And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I... I myself will search out for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep 
And I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy." I will feed them in justice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the rich stores of your promises and the declaration of your character that we can turn to week after week. Would you encourage our hearts this morning? We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You know, throughout history, it's always been a temptation of leaders to use their authority for themselves and for their good rather than for the benefit of those they lead. If you were following the news this past week, you likely saw, as I did, a stark example of such leadership as several stories broke regarding the mind-boggling wealth of Vladimir Putin. A story broke about his $1 billion yacht currently moored in Italy, which is equipped with a gym, a theater, multiple ballrooms and lounges, and... Uh, Every interior surface of the boat is either marble or gold, right down to the toilet paper holders. The ship has a dance floor that can retract into a swimming pool. In fact, there's only two ships in the world that are known to have a floor like this. The other is on Putin's other yacht. And all of this, while the annual salary in Russia is equivalent to around $7,000, in our money. But while this example may dominate the news right now, it's not really unique in the history of leadership. Here in Ezekiel 34, God charges the leaders of Israel with feeding themselves on his sheep rather than feeding his sheep. He charges them with slaughtering the sheep to clothe themselves with the sheep's wool rather than nourishing the flock such that it was left weakened and scattered. And as God lays out his case against the shepherds of Israel, though, he also describes what the shepherds should be doing to care for the flock. And that's what I really want to highlight this morning. My, my main goal this morning is for us to see something of a job description of a shepherd in God's flock, a job description of God's shepherds. Now, in my experience, most job descriptions have three main elements. They have a purpose statement or kind of uh, overarching goal of the position, then they list the responsibilities or tasks that the person is going to fulfill in that job, and then finally they list qualifications that should be true of a person if they're going to be able to fill that position. And Scripture describes all three of these elements for shepherds or elders in his church as well, and I want to look at each of them, though Most of our time, we'll look at the responsibilities or tasks of the elder. Let's start, though, with the position summary. The position summary is a brief, big-picture statement of the purpose or goal of the particular position in question. So, for example, 
My job description starts with the position summary that states, the senior pastor is to glorify God by ensuring the following of God's word in all areas of church ministry. Either directly or by delegation, he provides leadership for the whole work of Westminster Church, preaching the word of God, teaching the scriptures, leading the development of ministries, and providing pastoral care and living out our mission. That's a position summary. And I think scripture gives us a, a position summary for elders as well. And it's, a lot, it's mainly what we looked at last week. In 1 Peter 5 and Acts 20, Peter and Paul summarized the calling of elders as shepherds and said that they were to pay careful attention to the flock, to care for the flock, exercising oversight and being examples to the flock until the chief shepherd appears. Now, if I were going to boil that down into a one-sentence position summary of an elder, I would put it this way. A shepherd's mission or an elder's mission is to care for and equip God's sheep until Christ returns. I think we'll see this even more clearly as we start to look at the responsibilities, but for now, let's keep that statement in mind. A shepherd's mission, an elder's mission, is to care for and equip God's sheep until Christ returns. But let's turn now to the responsibilities of a shepherd. And here we'll look at multiple passages of Scripture. But I think an elder's job description has five main responsibilities. They are to feed, protect, know, equip, and be an example to the flock. We'll look at each of those. Let's start with feeding the flock. We read in Ezekiel 34 this morning, and when we read that chapter, right up front... We hear about the main responsibility of a shepherd. You see it in verse 2. Thus says the Lord God, Shepherds of Israel, you've been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? That's the job of a shepherd, to make sure their flock has food. I think we saw the same emphasis in John chapter 21 last week as Peter, or excuse me, as Jesus was talking to Peter, and he said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. A shepherd is responsible, whatever else they do, to provide food for the flock. And so in God's church, the elders are responsible to make sure God's flock is consistently fed with God's word. To point the flock to Christ, who says that he and his flesh offered for us his food indeed, to nourish the flock with spiritual care so that they grow in the Lord. And so there's the regular feeding that the shepherds are to give. But feeding the flock also implies nourishing care that will bring the sick and the weak back to health. I think we know that as a, as a parent, right? We, as parents, are responsible to feed our children regular meals so that they have food. But, but then there's particular nourishment or feeding we give when our, our children are sick or they're, they're not well. And we see that reflected here in Ezekiel 34 as well. Not only are shepherds to feed the sheep, but... In verse 4, we find that they are also to strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the injured. And each of these is an expression of nourishing care. Think about the church. In the church, God's flock may experience physical illness, injury, and weakness and need care. They may face mental illness of or weakness from anxiety and discouragement and depression. They may face spiritual weakness from doubts, despairs, wrestling with the providences of God that have come in their lives. 
And just as a, just as a parent might care for their child and feed them and nourish them based on the situation. They might give them crackers and ginger ale when they're recovering from the stomach bug or, or give them smoothies and mashed potatoes when their wisdom teeth come out or, or come up right next to them and, and, and comfort them with their presence while giving them soup when they're not well. So elders in the church should provide teaching on different topics. They should be applying scripture to the specific situation, giving individual care based on the needs of the sheep to nourish, to strengthen the weak and the sick and the injured. Of course, a sheep's weakness or injury might be the result of many things. It might be the result of disease. It might be the result of another person who harms them. It might be the result of, of spiritual attack from an enemy. It might be the result of their own foolishness. I was reading a blog of one shepherd this past week. She talked about uh, turning into her driveway at night and the beam of her headlights showed as she turned into her driveway. There were her 20 sheep escaped from their pen standing in the driveway. And she put the brakes on. The 20 sheep, having seen the headlight beams, proceeded inexplicably to charge one at a time and hurl themselves against the headlights so that she was left with 20 sheep lying in front of her car in various stages of weakness and injury. That shepherd was shaking her head, no doubt, but it was still her responsibility to care for and nourish the sheep. And so whatever the case, whatever might be the cause of harm, a shepherd is called to strengthen, to heal, to bind up, as well as to regularly feed with the food of God's word and tender care, God's flock. So shepherds are to feed the flock, but Secondly, shepherds are to protect the flock. You think about the most famous shepherd, perhaps, of the Old Testament, King David. What was he so well known for? For chasing off the lion and the bear with his bare hands as he protected the flock from harm. In the New Testament, elders are called to protect the flock from individuals, from teaching that would do them harm. In Acts 20, 29, Paul says specifically to the elders of Ephesus, I know that fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and that men will arise speaking twisted things. Therefore, be alert. Paul, in 2 Timothy, multiple times exhorts Timothy to his role as a leader in the church and says things like, avoid those who swerve from the truth, correct opponents with gentleness, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is all part of the protecting responsibility of shepherds. It's read this past week that every year in the United States, nearly a quarter million sheep are killed by predators, mostly coyotes, but also domestic dogs, foxes, eagles. Interestingly, many of the sheep die from the attack, but many others are fine after the attack, but die from the panic or trauma of the experience that they've gone through. And part of the protecting care of God's people as well is to protect them from attack, protect them from false doctrine that they are at risk of, but also to come alongside them after the, the hurt that they experience. And so elders are to be regularly on guard against false teaching and cultural currents that would seep into the church from without. They're also to be diligently caring for the flock, seeking peace and reconciliation to guard against conflict and harm from within. They're to watch for patterns of sin that would tempt their people, and in all cases are to be drawing near to help those who are under attack. 
But protecting the sheep also involves seeking those who wander or get lost and are at risk because of their wandering. In fact, I think if you were to do a survey of Scripture and ask, what characteristic of sheep does the Bible most often attribute to us? It would be our tendency to go astray, our tendency to wander and get lost in sin. Isaiah 53, 6 Psalm 119, 176, Luke 15. We could look at multiple passages that all talk about our temptation to stray. And few activities capture better the heart of a shepherd than the willingness it costs to himself to go seek and find and bring back the sheep who has gone astray. In 2019, there was a a sheep in Wales who went over a cliff and got stuck on a small outcropping of rock by the sea. A man was passing by and saw the the lamb in danger, caught on the rock over the sea, and he decided to climb down the rock. He scaled down the cliffs, grabbed the lamb, and climbed at risk to himself back up to bring the lamb to safety. The Coast Guard and the Royal SPCA promptly condemned the man for taking such great risk of such a dangerous stunt. They said he should have called the professionals. And maybe in 2019 there are professionals we could call, but doesn't that action capture the heart of a shepherd? Doesn't that capture what our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, did for us? Going to the greatest risk, even to death himself, in order to rescue us when we went astray and were at danger of our lives. Of course, not every sheep who is straying thinks they're in danger. A straying sheep often thinks they have the greatest thing they've ever experienced, which is why elders are at times called in this protecting role to persuade, to exhort, to admonish, to do all in their power to warn and bring back a straying sheep, even though they know that only the Lord can change the heart. But this too is part of their responsibility to protect the sheep. So shepherds feed, shepherds protect, but shepherds are also called to know their sheep. And here we look to the example of Jesus, our good shepherd. John chapter 10 is perhaps one of the most famous shepherding passages in the New Testament. Describes Jesus who calls himself the good shepherd. And what is the one thing that Jesus repeats over and over in John chapter 10 to describe his care? It's his intimate, personal knowledge of his sheep. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. I know my own, and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Do you hear him saying over and over his personal, intimate knowledge of his sheep? After all, the only way a shepherd can care for a flock is to know his sheep. This isn't to suggest, of course, that every single elder has to know every single person in the congregation personally, but it is to suggest that there must be mutual trust and relationship so that the elders as a whole know their congregation and the congregation knows and trusts at least some elder that they can go to and ask questions or share needs or express concerns. Craig Rogers is a shepherd who wrote an article in 2013 about his own experience. He titled the article, The Ten Things I Learned About Keeping Sheep. And I was struck by one of the top things he wrote. He wrote, A shepherd must tend to the flock, but care for the individual sheep. 
He wrote this, he said, providing clean water, ample forage, shelter to the entire flock is essential to maintaining the health of the flock. But the success of a shepherd is in the compassion that they have for each individual. This means being able to identify a sick or an injured sheep within a flock of thousands. The more concern the shepherd has for the individual who is in need of care, the healthier the flock as a whole. And so this is a charge to shepherds amongst God's people. We are called to feed and to protect the flock as a whole, but also to know the sheep individually and their needs so that we can feed them and care for them. The next responsibility a shepherd has is to equip the sheep. And here we need to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Welcome to turn there with me if you would like. After preaching Ephesians, the pages fell out of my Bible, so I have just uh, two uh, two loose sheets here, but they're in the right place, I think. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read verses 11 through 13. This is the passage where God is describing the gifts that he gives to his people by his Spirit and how they're to be used for the good of the church. Starting in verse 11, we read, And he, that is God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you hear Paul say that one of the key reasons God gave shepherds and teachers to the church is to equip the saints to minister to one another so that the whole body is built up? In other words, what I think we read here is that elders in the church are not supposed to do 100% of the ministering and caring for the people in the church. To do so would actually be to rob God's people of the chance to use their gifts. It would also impossibly overburden the elders and put an inappropriate gap between the elders and the congregation. No, rather, elders are to equip the saints to minister to one another. Another way to put this would be to review the nearly 60 one-anothering statements in the New Testament, which call all of us as God's people to care for and minister to one another. We read throughout the New Testament, we are to encourage one another, build one another up, comfort one another, admonish one another, care for one another, welcome one another, and the list goes on and on and on. And you'll notice that many of these reflect some of the things that shepherds are to make sure are happening in the congregation. And I think the point is this, that all of us are called to care for one another as God's people, to use the gifts God's given to serve one another and minister to one another. Well, the elders in the church are accountable to God to make sure that the flock is being cared for and to equip us as the saints, to encourage us as the saints to be ministering to one another and to know our sheep well enough to know if they aren't being cared for. And so all of us minister to one another while the accountability to God to make sure that it is happening and to equip it is given to the shepherds amongst God's people. Well, finally then, elders are to set an example for the flock. Peter said this explicitly in 1 Peter 5, verse 3, elders are to set an example for the flock. 
I think Paul says the same thing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 when he says, set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, keeping a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Do you see how both Peter and Paul, again, are giving the role of setting an example, a role not just in our life, but in leadership and care for the flock? I think we could say that a key part of the shepherd's role in the church, a significant part of the care they're to offer, is by setting an example of our lives, of demonstrating godliness and so encouraging and leading the flock towards their Savior. So here's the elder's job description. What are the responsibilities of a shepherd? To feed the flock, protect the flock, know the flock, equip the flock, set an example for the flock. This is how elders are to care for God's sheep until Christ returns. Well, briefly, I think we should notice the qualifications for the job. I'm not going to spend much time here, but Scripture clearly shows us the qualifications of a shepherd as well. We see it most thoroughly in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 where Paul lists the qualifications for leadership in the church and he does so largely in two categories. Paul lists the character, the godly character that should be true of an elder. They should be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And then Paul also mentions the gifting or the abilities that should be true of a shepherd in the church. He should be able to teach and able to manage his own household well as evidence that he could care for the flock of God. In the Old Testament, Psalm seventy-eight seventy-two actually gives us the same qualifications. It describes David and says that God called David to shepherd his people with an upright heart, there's character, and a skillful hand. There's gifting and abilities. So these are the qualifications for those called to shepherd God's people. God calls men of wisdom and gifting whose character demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit and godliness to this shepherding task of caring for and equipping the sheep and his flock. Well, what does this look like at Westminster and how might we grow as a church both in caring for one another, using the gifts God's given us to minister to one another, and in the shepherding care our elders provide? I think the first thing I would say is that good shepherding is not primarily an issue of a a program. It is primarily the matter of the elders having a heart and a mindset of a shepherd. A church could have an excellent program where everyone is divided up and and we text, uh, an elder checks the box every couple months that they texted this member or called this member and very little real shepherding could happen if the heart is not right. And so one thing we've been praying is that the Lord would give all of our elders here at Westminster a heart to care for this congregation and to equip and encourage all of us to use our gifts in ministering to one another. But that said, a structure or a system is a very helpful tool to help us do what we're called to do. And so we have a plan as elders of the church, alongside the elders or the efforts of our deacons and deaconesses and some of you, to be more proactive at reaching out to you as a congregation. Now, 
It would be very difficult for us to do that for everyone all at once. And so this is something we hope to, to start, particularly with those that are, are less connected here in the church and then grow and expand over the coming months and years. But our desire is that this will begin to develop greater relationships of trust and spiritual care so that you will have an avenue to give feedback and ask questions. And we will have an avenue to pray for you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. As we end this morning, before we leave this topic of shepherding, I want to conclude with two things. Two things for us to have in our minds as we leave this topic. The first is this. For shepherding to be effective in the church, we must remember that there needs to be mutual love and care for one another and a mutual humility before the Lord. As elders, our hearts need to be humbled by our own need for Christ and by the fact that we are told we will be accountable to God to carry out this responsibility with faithfulness for the same love for his people that God has for his sheep. One author put this so beautifully when he writes, Good shepherding is expressed by decisions and behaviors that benefit the flock, often at great personal cost. It calls for a subtle blend of authority and care. It involves protection and discipline, but also gentle nurture. That's done out of a sense of accountability to God who loves the sheep, not as a means of forcing obedience or squelching problems. Well said. But as a congregation, this humility and mutual care and love, I think, means humbly seeking and welcoming the care of those God has called to watch over our souls. Dr. Tim Whitmer is a pastor in our presbytery who has written much on shepherding, and he notes that in his experience, the first barrier that most churches experience in trying to care for its members is resistance from its members who want to hold the elders at arm's length. Of course, relationships and trust are necessary, but elders who seek to do this faithfully under accountability to God should be welcomed for our goods. And I think on both sides, this humility and loving care is expressed well by Hebrews thirteen seventeen, which says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. But let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So that's the first thing I want us to remember and hold in our minds. But finally, I don't want us to end without listening again to the life-giving words at the end of Ezekiel 34. So if you have your Bibles, flip back to Ezekiel chapter 34. In the first portion that we read this morning, God called out the shepherds of Israel for their failures to love and care for his sheep. And the result was that they came under judgment and God's sheep were scattered through the nations. But in verses 11 through 16, as God looks out over his scattered, weak, and injured sheep, God does not say, well, I'll just get myself some new shepherds. God does not say, well, maybe I need a new flock. No, God enters the fray himself and says, these are my sheep and I will get them. Notice what he says, verse 11, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. 
And then through the the next five verses, he again begins to declare, I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from scattered places. I will feed them with good pasture. I will be their shepherd. I will make them lie down in my presence. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I will feed them in the justice. Do you hear God's personal care and personal engagement to pursue his sheep and care for them as no one else can? You know, this is passage is a companion to Psalm 23, a beautiful description of the Lord as our shepherd. But in Psalm 23, David is describing the Lord's shepherding care. Here in Ezekiel 34, God is speaking himself and promising his shepherding care. God is telling us as his people, I will act as your shepherd and bring you back and rescue you and care for you. And as we think about the life together as a church, as we think about the shepherding responsibility God has given to the elders and the care we're to give to one another, we should come back to the ground of our true hope. And that is the care that we have from our chief shepherd. The care that God gives us through the good shepherd, his own son, Jesus Christ. And I don't know what situation each one of you are in this morning. But whether it's in our sin or in our fears, in our pain or in our comforts and joys, meditate again on what God has done for us through his son, what is offered to us through faith in Jesus Christ, the one who knows us and leads us back to these rich pastures in his presence. Because through faith in Jesus, our strayed hearts are found and brought back. Our injuries are brought back, are bound up. We have peace and security lying with him in rich pastures under the love of his care. That's what God promises us. That's what we find in him. And so may each one of us come to this good shepherd this morning. May we worship him. May we find our joy and the one who has given himself for us. Let's pray. Father, how I thank you for your word. How I thank you for your wisdom and gifting us by your spirit and calling us to minister to one another, but in giving a particular calling to those who would shepherd your people, who would be accountable to God to make sure that your sheep are cared for. And how I pray that we might do that with ever-increasing faithfulness here at Westminster. How I pray that each one of us would be praying about how we might love and care for one another better and grow in this mutual relationships of trust and accountability, joy. But in all of that, Father, I pray that it would only point us back to our true need, the need of God who himself is the shepherd who seeks us out and brings us back and holds our wandering heart to himself and gives us joy and care and peace and security in his hands. And how I thank you, Father, that you are greater than all and that no one can snatch us out of your hands. We run no risk of our souls when we are yours through the love of Jesus Christ. And may we treasure that promise and rest in you today and in the week ahead. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.